Welcome back, Mike Farrell Sports Talk. This is your week three recap edition. We'll go through the week three games in a second and uh, some good coaching news. My name is Adam, as always. Mike Farrell is with me. It would not be the Mike Farrell Sports Experience without Mike Farrell himself. Michael, greetings. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I enjoyed a good weekend of college football. We're starting to get into uh, uh, understanding maybe more what teams are about. I don't really know yet. I'm confused what I'm seeing week in and week out. We're going to break all that down. What I'm not confused about is Herm Edwards. Uh, and this is kind of the, the hot news off of the uh, off the college football weekend. Herm Edwards maybe got fired on the field. I don't know if we know that for a for fact. We saw some video. But either way, Herm Edwards out at Arizona State. Probably an interesting hire to begin with. Uh, his former um, his former agent, Ray Anderson, became AD, hired him on. A head-scratching move then. Like the firing, probably not a head-scratching move now. What would you make of Herm Edwards losing his job at Arizona State? Yeah, it's – I mean, I didn't expect it to come down this weekend. Uh, I also didn't expect them to lose, you know, uh, a game that they clearly should have won and, and you know, had better talent. And uh, I don't know. When, you, when, you're, when your team is getting trolled by the Eastern Michigan Twitter – you know, uh, we play the games to win and th- that type of stuff. It's it's really become a joke. Arizona State's become a joke. He's lost so much in the portal. Recruiting's down. They're, they're last in the Pac-12 this year. They were last in the Pac-12 last year. Uh, the ninth in the Pac-12 the previous year in recruiting. Uh, you know, this the the NCA investigation, losing coaches. Antonio Pierce was kind of his right-hand man and was going to be the guy who could help recruit California and make a difference for them. You know, once he left, everything started to crumble. Uh, And, you know, now we see the result of it. But Herm was a weird hire because he had been out of coaching for so long and he had never coached at the college football level, you know, as a head football coach. So you give him a power five job with the idea that, oh, he coached kids in the Under Armour game every year. That's going to do it. Um, he was a fish out of water, but it, it looked like it was going to work at least at first. Um, and then it just started to fall apart a bit. So, you know, it's time to re revamp. There were two hires right around that time, you know, Herm Edwards and Lovey Smith. And I'm not sure what the athletic directors are thinking when they go to former NFL coaches who have never really had college coaching experience as we go into, you know, the portal, this was prior to the portal. Uh, this was prior to NIL, but we knew changes were coming in the landscape of college football. Uh, and these guys, you know, just weren't able to get it done. And, and Herm, he needs to be replaced by, I think, they're not going to get in a tr- like a really good college coach to leave a program to go to Arizona State. Um, they need to find a coordinator who has, you know, energy, can recruit the West Coast um, and hope to catch lightning in a bottle with with a with an up and coming coach. Because, you know, Kalani Sataki, guys like that, they're not going to take this job. I, I don't know why they would. 
Well, I think the, the Herm Edwards thing, right, was we're going to prepare you for the NFL. Wasn't that sort of the shtick is Perfect. we're going to run an NFL caliber organization here. We're going to prepare you for the NFL. But then to your point, the times changed pretty quickly. And NIL came in and Transfer Portal came in. And all of a sudden, you know, hey, I used to coach the Jets 10 years ago. Didn't really have the same appeal as maybe it did prior to that stuff. And to your point, it just seemed like an odd hire. Do we know, did he get fired on the field? Have you seen that viral video? Is that him getting fired? What, what do you I think? You're, I mean, give me I the breakdown. Give me the telestrator breakdown here. I've never seen anybody get fired on the field. You know, okay. so I don't think he was fired on the field. I mean, I've seen guys get fired on the tarmac, you know. <laughs> sure. Um, that's pretty famous. But I, I don't believe, I don't know. Uh, I'm looking at it again right now. It's that second pat on the back from Ray Anderson that, you know, the president's standing there too, which I, I sounds like it's atypical for them to meet on again. the field. It feels like they're like, Herm, listen, it's, we're going to have to make a change. We need to talk about the future here. And Herm's saying, you know what? You're right. We should talk about it. Let's talk about it. So maybe the words you're fired weren't, uh, weren't uttered yeah. in that, in that situation. I, I, but I think the, uh, the understanding was, Hey, we, we're going to talk tomorrow. Yeah, I get that. Um, you know, the, the sort of condolence pat on the back type of yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, but the weird part about college football <laughs> and college football coaches and athletic directors and not presidents, presidents are very hands off. They're touchy people. It's weird. Uh, almost to the point where it's like, don't touch me. Mm. Um, so you see, you know, he, Herm comes over and he, he, he grabs a guy by the elbow and then the guy pats him on the back a couple times and then he pats him on the shoulder. It's like, this is normal. This is what happens with these guys. Uh, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it, if it comes from a, you know, being a player and, and taking the butt slap, good job to the next level of the arm pat and the back pat. But this is kind of common body language uh, that's often seen. It's just not seen when a coach gets off the field and, you know, meets with the president and the athletic director and then gets fired right after that. So I can see why people think this is a firing right here. That's not the way life works. They're certainly not telling him in the end zone. This isn't worked out, Herm. You know, good luck. They're telling him, you know, hey, let's talk about some stuff and tough loss and on and on. Well, to be fair, it is odd for Arizona State to be in the end zone. So, uh, but also, you can—I I would take the arm tap over the butt tap any day if I'm if I'm Herd Edwards on, on that one. But well, you, know, you mentioned it you get a, over a certain age, you're not allowed to do the butt tap anymore. There's like an unwritten rule <laughs> and under, by the way. Yeah, so, yeah, it's true. And then you go to the arm grab, and, and mm -hmm. the reason I know this is it's so annoying because for years and years and years, I, I had chronic pain in my arm, nerve pain, and I still do um, from an old injury. And these guys, man, you know, we would be flared up and I would go to talk to them and I'd be, you know, shake their hand this way. And I'd sort of back off and they would grab my arm all the time for no reason. I didn't ask you mm -hmm. to touch me. Okay. And it, it became very annoying and painful. And so this is how I know that these guys can't keep their hands off each other. So I don't think this is firing. <laughs> I think it's just a stupid, like, this is how we do it in college yeah. football type of thing. I'm definitely cutting this clip up for a, a future <laughs> social media release. Uh, don't touch Mike. Uh, he doesn't want to be touched don't by touch you. Anybody, uh, ever. <laughs> well, probably fair. You mentioned uh, no sitting coach probably in line for this job. This feels like a retread or a coordinator job. I know you at MikeFarrellSports.com will be chronicling kind of the candidate list here. Who's on the short list in your opinion? Yeah, again, it's going to have to be somebody who is, you know, 
young, energetic, can recruit, blah, blah, blah. So we put up our replacements list. And this is Kyle Golick, one of our writers that did this. And he's got Doug Belk on here. I've got a few other names. Uh, he's got Josh Gaddis, the offensive coordinator. Doug Belk, the defense coordinator at Houston. Josh Gaddis, the offensive coordinator at Miami. Jeff Grimes is a hot name for everybody. Um, you know, Baylor offensive coordinator. Um, and, and, you know, he, he – uh, he, he was a coordinator at BYU, so he's got some West Coast ties and, and things like that. I think it's as important to recruit Texas as it is um, the West Coast. You know, so some of these guys you're going to hear, Barry Odom is a great example. You know, he's a defensive coordinator uh, at Arkansas. He was the head coach at Mizzou. He can recruit Texas. Um, I think Arizona State knows that they not only have to do a good job in California, but they have to hit Texas. So uh, Jeff Trailer, UTSA, another Texas name mm-hmm. in here. Um, so those are the guys. Now I've got a few others and, and they're not ridiculous. So let's take the urban Meyer thing out of play. That's not going to happen. He's not interested in the Nebraska job. He's certainly not interested in this job. I don't know what job he would be interested in. I know there is a job out there, you know, or two that he would be interested in rehabbing his career. I don't know if anybody's interested in him anymore. Um, but that's, that's ridiculous. So Jay Norvell is another guy, Colorado state, you know, he's got ties to Arizona state. He inherited a mess, an Adazio mess at Colorado State. It hasn't gone well, so he's not a hot name hire. And if they wait till the end of the season, he could be coming off a 2-10 football or 1-11 football season, so that's not going to fly. Um, Jeff Wilcox at Cal. Now, I just said that they're not going to be able to pull somebody from another Power 5 pro- program, but Cal's not very good. Um, it's not a great program. There's a lot more academic hurdles there are there than Arizona State. So that's kind of a lateral move that he might be interested in. Uh, Jeff Levy, I throw out there, Oklahoma offense coordinator, very, very popular. And then Brian Flores, I throw this out here simply because somebody in college football is going to hire Brian Flores, the, the, the ex-Miami coach, you know, now with the Steelers. Uh, he's a tremendous, tremendous head coach. Um, and there is a feeling, you know, Brian Flores kind of stood up against the man in the NFL, uh, you know, the Rooney rule, all that other stuff. Uh, he would destroy recruiting on that level of college football. This is a guy that I followed in high school out of New York, played at Boston College. Um, he is very, very smart. Uh, he's extremely motivated to be successful. And whatever program he inherits, uh, they're going to reap the benefits in recruiting. Now, that being said, I don't think Arizona State is going to go back to the NFL Uh, for another ex-NFL head coach. But that's a name that I just want to throw out there for future jobs as well because he's very intriguing. Yeah, currently with the Pittsburgh Steelers, I think, on the sidelines. Obviously, he's got a a lawsuit pending. I I wonder if that'll make things um, stickier. Mike, you mentioned, uh, you know, a hot young coach and somebody who's kind of revitalized the program. That's not Urban Meyer, as you mentioned. But that didn't stop Nebraska fans this weekend. There were reports Urban was in the building, and to be fair, uh, you know, maybe they did talk to somebody, maybe someone talked to somebody who knows, right? We never know what's going on, what's going on behind the scenes, but there seemed to be uh, people thinking there was smoke of urban to Nebraska. Um, that's been uh, since been relatively shot down by others, but uh, I'd love your take on uh, you know, urban Meyer wearing the Nebraska N on his shirt. Any possibility that ever happens? I don't think so. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those situations where it just so happened. He was there for, for mm-hmm. Fox big noon, um, you know, there was one of their bigger games uh, that they had hoped would be a, a good matchup. It ter- didn't turn out to be one. 
you know, he's going to go someplace where he knows he can win, and, and that's not Nebraska. You just don't know you can win at Nebraska. I don't care if you're Urban Meyer, you know. To go from Utah to Florida, that was a bit of a, 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 an intriguing decision because everybody didn't. Everybody felt that his offense wouldn't work in the SEC, and he proved them wrong. Uh, to go to Ohio State, that's a layup. Um, you know, that's easy. You know, Notre Dame has always been his dream job. They're not going to touch him with, with a thousand foot pole. I don't think ever. Uh, he was flirting with Texas. That's an interesting job. But all of these jobs are big time jobs with either um, recruiting cachet, you know, Texas, Florida, Ohio, or national prominence like Notre Dame. Nebraska is neither of these. So he would never in a million years take this because he could legitimately have a losing record. And that's not Urban Meyer. It doesn't feed his uh, sort of narcissistic view of the world. Why does his name come up? For, is this just fans hoping that Urban takes a takes a flyer on their team? How does his name even surface for some? Is it simply just because he happened to be in Omaha this weekend? I know it's just Urban Meyer. He's going to be brought up for every job. I mean, the first question I got asked about Arizona State was Urban Meyer. Would he be interested? And, you know, it's going to happen when Georgia Tech, you know, fires Jeff Collins. Uh, to a lesser extent, but somebody out there is going to say, would Urban Meyer be a good fit with the NIL possibilities in Atlanta? They, they could read a juggernaut, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, Colorado, Auburn, his name's going to come up just because he's, you know, one of the winningest head football coaches ever. Um, you know, he's, he's still out there. Uh, you know, I mean, Bob Stoops name comes up in, in, in searches and, and, you know, hot lists and stuff like that. Um, but I, I just think it's like Gruden with Tennessee. Um, <laughs> you know, there was always that, you know, cause he was a GA at Tennessee a hundred years ago, there was a connection. And every time Tennessee job came open, it was going to be Jeff Gruden. They were tracking flights and stuff like that. They're just polarizing names. They're big name guys who are very successful football coaches that teams would dream of having as their head coach. Not anymore with Gruden and, and maybe not anymore with Urban Meyer after the Jacksonville situation. But, you know, if I'm a Nebraska fan, yeah, I want to know. Would, would, could we get that guy? I don't care what he stands for, what his principles are. I don't care who he's grabbing in a bar. I don't care who he's hiring. I don't care about any of the scandals that occurred uh, with his assistant coaches and his players. I want to win. And that guy knows how to win. So let's go get him. I think it's that mentality. All right. Well, the coaching carousel uh, continues to spin, Mike, but obviously week three on the field, uh, you know, what was interesting here. I'll run through the top 10 and uh, this will be pretty boring. Georgia steamrolled, Alabama steamrolled, Iowa State steamrolled, Michigan steamrolled, Clemson steamrolled, uh, Oklahoma steamrolled, USC beat down, Oklahoma State beat down, Kentucky a little closer, but still beat down, Arkansas a little bit closer, still beat down. Then you get to number 11. Michigan State, which uh, which traveled up to uh, Washington, and they fall to the Huskies 39-28. Afterwards, I saw today Mel Tucker basically said, we suck, and we had to make a bunch of changes. Uh, what what happened? Did we overinflate Michigan State? Is Washington better than we thought? And what did you take out of this uh, this this well, 11, 11 seed or this 11-ranked team going down? And, and let's not gloss over the Arkansas beatdown, because that was not a beatdown. That was embarrassing. I, said kind of. I had the number two in my power rankings, whatever those are. You know, because if they beat two quality football teams, in my mind, I mean, South Carolina has proven obviously not to be very quality, and Georgia blasted them. You know, but Cincinnati, I thought was a good win, um, and, and and I had them higher than some other teams that had played nobody. 
Um, and now, you know, like Oklahoma is a great example of somebody who played nobody and they just beat Nebraska and Nebraska is not very good either. But, you know, they've, they've proven to be consistently pounding bad teams. Missouri State almost goes in there with Petrino and beats them. They were losing in the fourth quarter. That's an embarrassing situation and it's going to hurt Arkansas's ranking. Now they got Texas A&M this weekend. All could be great again. And again, he's three and oh, but it just was an ugly game. Washington was actually favored at home against Michigan State by three and a half points, which made no sense whatsoever um, because Washington was a four and eight football team last year. Michigan State was, what, 11 and two overall. Um, you know, they were in the playoff discussion. There's no reason on earth that 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 spread should have occurred except for people knowing things. And I think what they knew was that Michael Phoenix is back as the guy we saw in 2019 and especially 2020. The passing game is strong, and Michigan State can't cover uh, anything at all. They were just abysmal um, against the pass. Uh, and, and this is the problem you have when you when you guarantee someone $85 million after one good season. Now, all of Twitter was a flutter with what a waste of money. You can't believe this is guaranteed money. Mel Tucker sucks, this, that, and the other. They're overrated. That's what happens. You lose one game. Um, I think Michigan State was exposed. They weren't strong in the trenches either. They couldn't run the football, um, which was surprising to me. Um, and, and I really think this is a team that's going to have some struggles based on what I saw against Washington. I mean, Minnesota's coming up. That's not easy. Um, you know, Maryland <clears throat> depends. They're a team that's beaten, you know, crap teams. Ohio State, Wisconsin, Michigan, Michigan in, in, in three in a row right there. That's not easy. And this could be a situation where, you know, they're three and two heading into Ohio State and come out of there three and six. I mean, uh, three and five after those games, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Michigan. And then everybody's going to be saying, oh, my gosh, why do we pay him so much money? And I think that was what happened when he was guaranteed that contract. That's the first thing I wrote and said is that we're going to look back on this in a couple of years and wonder why this guaranteed money was was promised to him. Because this is a guy who could go from 11 and 2 to 5 and 7. This is the East. This is the Big Ten. Things are hard there, and you could be the fourth best team in your division in a second. So you can't afford to lose, you know, out of conference games to Washington, who was four and eight last year. So I think we're we're gonna be really monitoring this 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 investment they made because LSU came at them. Um, and I think you're going to start seeing a whole lot of people making fun of Mel Tucker. Now, I think he's still a very good coach. I think he's overpaid, um, but I think he's still a good coach. But in this day and age, you're as good as your last game. And everybody on earth is making fun of that salary now after one loss. Another surprising game was BYU-Oregon. I know the final score ends up being 41-20, Mike, but, but that thing was, what, 38-7 at the end of the third quarter. Oregon, a team that got steamrolled by Georgia, who's obviously number one, a team putting it together now with Dan Lanning and, and Kenny Dillingham and, and obviously Bo Nix. I mean, they, they, they beat BYU handily. That, that one really surprised me. While I'm not surprised, I think, that they won. I mean, they, they won going away against BYU. They only score 13 t points in the fourth quarter to make it look respectable, Mike. But that was a beatdown by uh, by the Ducks. Yeah, much needed, too, because the, 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 the narrative there, if they lost at, at home, was that Dan Lanning is over his head. And, again, we're talking about, what, three games into a person's career. But that's how it is. I was watching today, you know, uh, uh, talk 
talk TV or whatever. I, I think it was fine bomb. I'm not sure. And they were talking about how important the Mississippi State win for LSU was, you know, for the Brian Kelly era. And I get it. It was an important win. But this is his third game. And that's what we live in now. So, you know, they needed to win this. Bo Nix needed to have a good performance. And he did with his feet and his arm. Uh, and they really needed to show everybody that, yeah, East Washington, 70 to 14 victory. Nobody cares. But they lost 49 to 3 to Georgia. So there were people out there, including some of my own writers, saying this is a horrible team. This is a potential 5 and 7 team, 7 and 5 at best. And they needed to really prove that they aren't. So BYU was a massive victory for them. You know, for another week, Dan Lanning isn't over his head. But the schedule is very interesting. They got at Washington State, which is a very, very tricky, dangerous football team. Um, that's going to be a tough game. I mean, they're 3-0 and and no one's talking about them. Um, and they're, you know, got Cameron Ward and some guys that you've never heard of that could give Oregon a lot of trouble. Then you got Stanford and Arizona. You know, you hope those are two wins. Uh, UCLA, that's not easy. Cal, mm, Colorado, mm, but then you finish Washington and Utah and then the Civil War, which is not allowed to be called the Civil War anymore, which I don't understand. Um, it's an interesting schedule for them. I mean, they could very well go nine and three and it'd be a great year for Lanning or they could go six and six, seven and five. Probably the marquee game of the night, 13 Miami goes to College Station, takes on Texas A&M. Uh, what was not an aesthetically pleasing game, Mike, there was obviously a couple of turnovers, I think, that that really kind of changed the fortunes of this one. But Jimbo, one week after being in over his head, now has a, a, a win against the top 25 team in number 13 Miami, 17-9. to nine. Jimbo has redeemed himself, yes? Yeah. 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 No, horrible football game. Awful. Yes. Uh, really dreadful, bad to, dreadful watch. to watch. Yes. Yeah. And, and just, I mean, this is honestly typical of a lot of college football games. I mean, you get two teams out there and they've got NFL talent, but they're, they're lacking at one specific position uh, or two specific positions. And it really changes the entire face of the football game. You know, Miami couldn't, they did an okay job protecting Van Dyke, um, but he also was off. He, he was not making, he was not hitting guys that were open. He was overthrown. He wasn't leading guys properly. I mean, 21 of 41, 217 yards is not first round to me. So he was extremely disappointing. They have no wide receivers. You know, Risvesto was was gone, and their drop-off at wide receiver is awful. Um, Texas A&M, you know, the quarterback play is, is typical of Jimbo's quarterbacks since Jameis Winston. It's just very bad and average. Um, their defense played better. The secondary was abysmal in the first couple games, uh, and they, they shored that up a bit. But overall, this was an ugly game, and I don't think this is a top 25 victory. Now, it's going to go down as one. You know, first of all, the Aggies should never be ranked 24th. They're 2-1, and one, they lost to App State. Yeah. Um, Miami shouldn't be 13. I mean, that's clear. Um, we're overrating some of these teams, uh, and, and Miami's just – they're a few years away, and – you know, it's three games into Mario Cristobal as well. And and one of the things I knew he was going to have to address when he got there was recruiting a higher level of talent. And he hasn't even had a chance to do that. He did it through the portal a little bit. But they need edge rushers. You know, they need the – yeah. yes, they've had Jalen Phillips and Gregory Russo's who have been first-round players, but they need consistent speed hybrid edge rushers. Um, and this year they don't seem to have them. Even though he did a good job in the portal – 
Uh, they need wide receivers in a bad, bad way, and they need offensive linemen. So there's a lot of holes in this Miami team. This is what annoys me a little bit about where we're at in the media world, and I have to be this way too because no one will really read anything I say if I'm not this way. And I don't do it in a contrived manner. I've just adjusted to what the world wants now. Overreaction. So last week, Jimbo was over his head, the $85 million buyout. Uh, he's going to be fired. How are we getting out of this? And now it's kind of crickets this week. This is the same crappy coach that lost to App State at home. Nothing's changed. Miami's not a good football team. I'm sorry. And, and you know, if Mario... Cristobal wants to text me and tell me I'm an idiot, then go ahead. But they're not a good football team. This is not a great win. I don't think anything's changed. I look at Texas A&M, what I've learned from this, is that they're 8-4 at best this season. Um, and Miami's probably in the same boat. Maybe 9-3 and because the ACC sucks. Texas A&M made a change at quarterback Max Johnson over Haynes King. Uh, uh, Max Johnson, for those scoring at home, why would you? 10 of 20 for 140 yards. Mike, not exactly a, a world-beating performance, but do you suspect he hangs on to that job for the rest of the year? Not for the rest of the year. Um, I did an article last week, which I found was brilliant in every way. <laughs> and it was five quarterbacks that are true freshmen that are going to play this year, you know, and, and win starting jobs this year. And, you know, I started with Drew Alar at Penn State. I didn't expect Penn State to look as good at Auburn at, at Auburn as they did, and I'm sure we're going to get to that in a second. But I think Drew Alar is just a big, super talented kid, and Sean Clifford is going to Sean Clifford a couple times this year, and he'll be a starter. But Connor Wegman is a true freshman. He's the best quarterback that Jimbo's recruited, honestly, in eight years because um, he, he inherited Kellen Mond, who was highly mm -hmm. rated, um, he recruited Zach Calzada, who I didn't think was very good. Haynes King was a three-star out of high school to me. Um, and then you've got, you know, Wegman. And at the end at, at Florida State, he wasn't recruiting good quarterbacks either. So this is his guy. And this is honestly the guy he's going to live and die with. Uh, he's, he's, you know, if Quinn Ewers is Steve Sarkeesian's, you know, ride or die uh, down the road and, and maybe this season, I think uh, Connor Wegman is is Jimbo's ride or die, and he's going to play this season. He's going to start by the end of the season, and if he doesn't develop, then Jimbo's not going to last. All right. Speaking of quarterbacks and development, uh, an interesting development in the swamp, Mike, uh, where the the South Florida Bulls, who are not a good football team, go into the swamp, give the Gators all they can handle, come out with a uh, with a, a tough loss. Gators win thirty one twenty eight. But Anthony Richardson, again, two weeks after we were etching his name in the Heisman, puts up a 10 of 18 for uh, for buck 12, plus two INTs. Mike, another bad performance by Anthony Richardson, another kind of flat performance by the Gators. Again, maybe it's tough to get up for some of these teams at home, whatever, but uh, the, the Gators, what, what's going what's going on in, in, in Sunbelt Billy's first year here? It seems like he was riding high after Utah, and it's all been a steep decline since then. It's been really disappointing. and it, So my theory is this. Um, Anthony Richardson didn't play a lot of football before coming into the season. He'd had six TDs and five interceptions last year. He'd always been injured or Dan Mullen wasn't, you know, he wasn't Dan Mullen's guy or whatever. Um, Utah had no film to really work with, and the game plan was good. Kentucky had film. South Florida had film. And it was clear both of them had film. And they clearly had a way to stop him. 
you, first of all, you make him throw. He's not a, a proficiently, um, you know, accurate passer. And you bracket him. You don't let him run. <clears throat> and you just do that. And with, you know, you try to do that in the NFL with Lamar Jackson. You try to do that in, in, in you know, college football with Lamar Jackson and Michael Vick. And you know that, listen, if you make them throw, <clears throat> it's better than them running around. But th this is, he's not that fast. He's fast, but he's not that fast. Um, you know, Vince Young's the same thing. If you could bracket Vince Young and make him throw, you're going to have a shot at winning a football game, perhaps. Uh, if you can't and he does whatever he wants, then you're you're screwed. Um, and this guy is he's a very good athlete. Um, he's not a great passer yet. And another thing that bothers me, you know, it's part of this instant reaction world. I bought into this Florida team. I, mm. I like an idiot, you know, because Utah I was very high on Utah. I had Utah in the top four in the country. I had them as a playoff uh, participant, um, you know, and again, dumb because the Pac-12, I thought the Big 12 would be shut out. You know, I had, I, I forget, Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson. So I thought Utah was going to be the fourth team. Utah goes on the road. They lose now. They, In hindsight, they should have won that game. You know, they should have at least kicked the field goal to tie it or, you know, Cam Rising shouldn't have, you know, thrown that pass. I overrated Utah a little bit. I made this Florida Gators home win bigger than it should be. And I made Anthony Richardson much better than he is. And then Kentucky proved to me that there's still the question marks regarding his ability, not his ceiling, but his ability. And South Florida, which is a really bad football team, really bad, should have won that football game if it weren't for a horrible interception. They handled them. So now what do you do? So now he's going to flash maybe against Eastern Washington, or maybe he'll flash against Missouri, or maybe even Tennessee because they don't have a great defense. And then he's going to suck a couple of games later. He's very inconsistent. He can go from looking like the number one overall pick in the draft, which is how he looked against Utah to me, because he just was unstoppable with his athleticism to an undrafted free agent. That's how he looked against South Florida. Uh, so I bought into it. I'm buying out. I don't believe in, in, you know, this team yet. Um, I, it, the funny thing is, I said Billy Napier wasn't a good hire, and of course they beat Utah, and I got slammed on Twitter all over the place. What do you think of this? You, every name in the book. I, I'm not saying he's good or bad. I just don't think they're going to be patient with him. If they mm -hmm. lost to South Florida and they go one and two, there's already going to be people wanting him gone. So yes. this is a precarious situation for for Billy Napier. Um, and it's a job, honestly, that's become kind of toxic. You know, I said that about the Tennessee job before Heupel took it. And he's done okay. Now, it could turn toxic fast. Butch Jones won nine games twice. I think Jeremy Pruitt won nine games once. It could turn toxic fast. Florida job is toxic. It's one of those things where do you really want this job? Because they're going to turn on you so fast the second you lose. And I think that's we're three games into his, you know, Florida uh, career. And, and I, I think this could go south pretty quick. Again, big one Saturday. They're playing at Tennessee 330. Uh, that, that'll be an issue. I know you're going to preview this stuff probably coming up this week. Mike, that's a that's a really interesting game. Obviously, Tennessee uh, home game. Gators have had their number a little bit late. This is an interesting one for even for the Hypo side of this as well, right? So if he beats Tennessee, if he beats Florida, rather, I mean, Hypo goes in with a ton of momentum. Tennessee is is 
maybe fully back at that point. Uh, this is this is a big one uh, this weekend. I mean, who's back and who's not? I mean, this is the other thing about it is like every hire ends up being a bad hire, um, except for Nick Saban, except for Davos Winnie, you know, except for maybe Kirby Smart, the way he's progressing. But when you look at the top 25 teams in the country, um, you could find a, a you could find a hire at every level, maybe not Ohio State, which was a bad hire, which looked like a good hire. Uh, you know, Herm Edwards looked like a horrible hire. Then he went eight and five, and it looked like a good hire. Carl Durrell won his first four games at Colorado, and everybody's like, "Oh my gosh!" You know, maybe, maybe this guy's the hire of the world, and now he's going to be fired. I guess Jeff Collins never really got any wins to to put that in in, in perspective, but. You know, you just don't know who's back and who's not back. We love to say it. I love to say it. I love to make fun of it. Um, one of my narratives of the Texas A&M game was if the U wins, they're back. If they lose, they're never going to be back. And that's how people react. Three games into Mario Cristobal's tenure, inheriting a football team, which has a lot of holes in it. Um, but that's how we live in this world. You know, uh, the U is back and the fans say, oh, we don't say that. Yeah, you do. You do. Um, you may say you don't, but you're lying to yourself. You're lying to everybody. You know, when you guys win, Mark Rick went 10-0. and 0, I forget what year it was. They were back. This was Dynasty Central. They were going to go back to the Butch Davis era. Well, they, they've sucked since, but they were back, you know, and Texas is back and so the fans say it all the time and we make fun of it as media members and we like to write about it because it tweaks the fans. And if you can tweak the fans, then they're going to pay attention to what you have to say. But no, Tennessee beats Florida. They're not back. They beat a two and two football team that, you know, almost lost to USF. So I like to say back just for fun. But is USC back? I don't even know if USC is back. I mean, come on, three and oh, they played Rice, Stanford and Fresno State. Show me a good win, and maybe you're back. Like, I don't know if Brian Harson listens to the show. Uh, if he does, I, I have some free advice for him. Um, when your AD who hired you gets fired, and when the boosters try to uh, rally against you to get you fired, make up scandals and all these stories, don't go out and be losing to Auburn or to Penn State 31 6 at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Not going to be a good look for Brian Arson, but that's the reality he faced. He ends up losing 41 to 12 to Penn State, Mike. Auburn just looked like dreadful. I mean, the Brian Arson countdown clock has got to be ticking yeah. at an all time volume high at this point. Well, this is, you know, this is one of the things where, you know, I asked, uh, I think it was, I forget what it was, Nebraska fans. After Northwestern, I'm like, do you want him to lose to North Dakota so that you get rid of him immediately? You know, and, and it was kind of tongue in cheek. And really, we always want to win games. I'm like, okay, well, let's say you win. Let's say you win North Dakota. Let's say you win Georgia Southern, which they didn't do. You know, you lose to Oklahoma, but then you win a couple others. You go six and six, and they keep them again. Is that good for you, or would you rather just suck up a three and nine season and find a new coach? that's where we're at with Auburn already in this guy's second year. Now, I don't know him. I'm sure he doesn't listen. I don't know if he's likable at all. I don't know. I know they tried to get rid of him pretty quick, um, more so with more vigor and, and enthusiasm than they ever did with Gus. Uh, so this guy can't be likable, and he's certainly not their guy. 
Um, you, you remember when Gene Chizik was hired and he wasn't their guy and they just fell face first into a national championship. Um, they turned on him very, very quickly after that, but at least he had a little bit of a honeymoon because he won a national title. That's what Auburn fans want. They don't want wins over Mercer that where you don't look good and struggles against San Jose State and then getting blown out by what's probably an average Penn State team on the road. Um, they don't want any of this. So, yeah, the countdown is on. Um, the whole thing's got to be blown up. You know, they tried to go after Cristobal once they got Gus out. You know, they tried to go after a few other guys. You know, they settled on Harson, who was a, you know, not a fit at all. I mean, fish out of water. It's like Bronco Mendenhall getting hired at UVA. It just made no sense uh, ever. And here you are. Now you got to blow it up. You got to get a Southeast guy. Um, you got to get someone who can recruit really well. You got to find, you know, that, that crystal ball type, you know, maybe a Tosh Lupoy out at Oregon or somebody, somebody who's a great recruiter who's willing to go punch for punch with Nick Saban, who's done it under Saban before, um, and who's not afraid and intimidated by, uh, you know, that type of atmosphere. And Harson's not that guy. I'm going to ask a question that I think is a dumb question, but I actually don't think it's a dumb question. Is Auburn a good job? Is that a job? No. I mean, you talked about toxic jobs. I know it's an no. SEC, right? It's, it's no. you know, is that a good job? No, that's not a dumb question. It's not a good job. It's, it's like Florida, but it's got more history to it. You know, Florida, they, they were spoiled with Spurrier and then obviously spoiled with Urban Meyer. And then, you know, Muschamp didn't really work out. And, and then McElwain was over his head and, you know, Dan Mullen wore out his welcome. But these are guys, you know, the last two of those didn't want to recruit and couldn't handle the pressure. You know, but again, they wanted Napier out before he even coached a football game. So they've got a recent history of being a toxic fan base and a toxic booster group that just wants, 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 and wants immediate gratification. Auburn's been that way for over a decade. Um, and it just gets worse every year. And the problem they have you know, at least with Florida, Florida State and Miami haven't won national titles every other year. The problem they have is that Nick Saban's in that state. He wins national titles, um, you know, and, and they don't. Uh, so it's a bad job. Um, and I do know there were guys that were get offered a ton of money to come to Auburn and turn that job down simply because of the toxic nature of the job. So. Until that changes, until they change the fact that the boosters rule the world there and can get whatever they want whenever they want, it seems, or at least make things extremely uncomfortable for somebody. And, yeah, that's the case at places like Texas and some other places, you know, Florida. Uh, there's a lot of places with boosters, but these boosters get what they want. It's almost like they run the program. Um, the athletic director does not. The head football coach does not. If you really got a candid Gus Malzahn to sit down and talk about his time at Auburn, man, you would hear some things. Um, so, no, it's not a good job. Money-wise, yeah. But you're, you're going to lure a coordinator there or a group of five coach there, and you're going to lure them with $5.5 million or something like that, um, maybe you know higher than that, just like they did with Harson. And they're going to give it their best shot, but they will be turned on immediately. Let's run through some other maybe below the radar style games, Mike. I'll go through these kind of quickly. Um, brick up the Syracuse Orange. They are 3-0, the fighting Dino Babers, uh, but they have got a murderer's row coming up. Is Syracuse a good football team? 
I, uh, they're better than I thought. I like their defensive backs. Um, you know, they play pretty well on the back end. You know, Schrader's been playing better than I fully expected he ever could or would. Um, the system is solid. I don't think they're a good football team. Um, but, you know, listen, they beat Purdue. Purdue's average. You know, we saw that. They beat UConn. UConn's abysmal. And they beat Louisville. And Louisville's average. So, you know, the, the, the record of their teams, UConn's 0-3, Louisville 1-2. So that's, I don't know, what is that, one in six? One in, yes. one in five? I don't even know. Like, they, 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 they've beaten teams with two total wins. So I, let's wait and see. Virginia's not tough. You know, defensively, they're bad. Wagner. You know, then we get into NC State, Clemson, Notre Dame, Pitt, Florida State. Then we'll see if they're good. But right now, I think they're kind of like a, a surprise uh, undefeated team that's beaten garbage teams. All right. How about break up the Kansas Jayhawks? 48-30 win over previously ranked Houston Cougar team, Mike. Uh, they are now 3-0 on the season. Uh, Lance Leipold has those uh, those boys playing pretty well. Is Kansas good? I think they are. I think they're sneaky good. Um, you know, I don't think they're great defensively. They don't have the athletes, uh, you know, that a lot of the teams they're going to be facing uh, do. You know, can they stay with Oklahoma? Can they stay with Texas? You know, Oklahoma State, Baylor. But, you know, they beat a West Virginia team uh, that probably should have beat Pitt. They beat a Houston team that I think is one of the better group of five teams out there. Uh, they've been disappointing, but they're putting up points, and he's proven to be a very, very good coach. Um, he's got Duke coming up, which is another 3-0 and surprise team. Uh, Iowa State, TCU. I mean, there's a real outside chance they could be 6-0 and going at, into the Oklahoma game. Um, so I think they're they're for real to an extent, you know, seven win max. How much fun was it seeing uh, college game day over at App State and obviously a, a great win, a last second win. That's the good thing about college football, Mike, is any weekend you're going to get a crazy scene like that. I know App State probably isn't a, a team that's going to make a ton of noise here down the road, obviously from where they are, but a nice win versus Troy and a great scene uh, up there in Boone. Yeah, and this was supposed to be, you know, Texas A&M-Miami, but Texas A&M ruined that, and App State ruined it. App State essentially went into Kyle Field. Uh, they bitch-slapped Texas A&M, and they took game day away from them. So that's kind of funny, um, <laughs> especially since their coach does not make $10 million a year uh, and doesn't have the number one recruiting class in the country. So they're a fun story. Troy's a pretty good team, and, and that was a, a really good battle. Um, App State – you could argue they should have beaten UNC. You know, I mean, you could always argue that UNC should have won as well, but that was a close game. You know, it's it's going to be fun to watch them um, because their schedule, you know, JMU, Citadel, Texas State, I mean, Georgia State, there's some okay teams in here, but this could be a team that, you know, runs the table down the stretch um, and, and goes 11-1, and one, and then you've got yourself, you know, they're not going to get in the playoff or anything like that, but then you've got yourself, you know, perhaps your group of five team that, that everybody's going to be talking about uh, for that New Year's Six Bowl. Updates to previously reported stories, Mike. Iowa scored touchdowns uh, and actually threw one as they win 27 nothing over Nevada. Um, is the Iowa offense back? Yeah, it's back. They suck. All right. I mean, you know, it's disappointing, too, because I, I – Iowa football kind of stands for everything I stand for as far as an old school, you know, guy who grew up with smash mouth football when the fullback was a fullback and, 
you know, you used to be able to run the ball and play tough defense and none of this spread offense and, you know, 400 yard passing games from horrible quarterbacks like Tua, you know, they, they, it's, it's just the way it should be for Wisconsin and Iowa, but man, you got to be able to complete a, a, a pass. I mean, what, what's the terminology they first used for a pass? What was it? Forward pass? Forward pass. That's yeah. what it is. So this yeah. is how bad this offense is. You know, they're so antiquated. They're so awful. Uh, they're so predictable that you, when they complete a pass, when Spencer Petrus completes a pass, you have to say that was a nice forward pass because that's how bad this offense is. It, it's it's horrible. Um, yeah. And again, they did throw one touchdown pass. They ran the ball effectively. Nevada is not a very good football team. This doesn't solve any of the problems Iowa has. Brian Ferentz needs to go. There will be more uh, cameo funness. <laughs> Bob Stoops. I mean, I'll yes. do a cameo. You know, I'm not on cameo, but I'm doing anything for money these days. But I'll do a cameo talking about Brian. Um, anybody will because they don't know who the hell you're talking about. That's what's the ingenious portion of college football fans and, and Iowa Hawkeye fans. But, you know, Rutgers, they could lose that game. Um, Illinois, they could lose that game. They're just not the team I thought they would be. I thought they were going to be a potentially 10-2 and two football team and fighting for the West. And, and I don't care about the Nevada game. We just haven't seen that. And then, uh, as we all predicted, Mike, uh, Marcus Freeman will get his first win at Notre Dame by eking out a seven-point victory against Cal at home. Uh, the fighting Marcus Freeman is now one in two. Uh, congratulations to Marcus Freeman for that, that first victory. I mean, we feel good about it. Is he back? Gotta, like, gotta, gotta congratulate him because if he lost it, there'd be big, big trouble. I mean, Cal's not a good football team. You know, they're okay defensively, and they play, you know, sort of a a defensive scheme that doesn't lead to them – you know, giving up a billion points and getting blown out. Drew Pine, not good. Uh, no playmakers at Notre Dame. So, I mean, it's a good victory for them, but they still look sluggish. I mean, that was a game that was in question um, for quite quite a long time and, and, and just not an impressive win. Now, again, they were the 0-2 team and Cal was the 2-0 team, so maybe I shouldn't expect them, you know, to be impressive. But they were a pretty, pretty good favorite at home against Cal limped and struggled and now the whole talk is tommy reese yelling at drew pine like why do we even care like he yelled and he said do your effing job is it is that a problem like why is that going viral why are notre dame fans saying that's not what we should be doing to these uh, student athletes and all this garbage like do your effing job is what everybody should be told on a daily basis at work if they're not doing their job that's fair enough they have North Carolina this upcoming weekend. Like any other game that stuck out to you from the weekend? Any uh, maybe below the radar game that no, you uh, you found interesting? How about yeah. Texas hold and serve? That was a kind of a trappy game for me for them. Um, you yeah. know, UTSA is a pretty interesting football team. You know, Frank Harris is dangerous. He's hard to game plan for. They came out. You know, they had the the whole you know wide receiver pass. They were they were very aggressive offensively, and they threw everything at them. Um, and Bijan Robinson finally had the big game this season that we were expecting. Uh, they finally got him the football quite a bit, um, and they held serve. Coming off a a loss to Alabama, it could still be a letdown game because they played Alabama so close. Um, so I this was a struggle 
early. You know, it was, it was tied at the half. Uh, but for Texas to pull away and for Bijan Robinson to pull away, that was impressive to me. You know, Pitt fans should be happy that they've got Pat Narduzzi because they're a team that's not going to lose, in my opinion, to an inferior football team. And that's really, honestly, one of the goals that you have when you when you hire a football coach, you know, because you see, you know, Jimbo losing to App State or, or Herm Edwards losing to Eastern Michigan or, or whatever. They win the games that they're supposed to win for the most part. Uh, and and as, a, as a Pitt fan, I would be pretty happy with that. I, I know it's uh, the bar isn't as high as you want it to be, um, you know, but destroying Western Michigan, we could easily be talking about because they lost to Western Michigan a year ago in an upset. We could easily be talking about them, you know, this week as one of the teams that got upset and, and we're not. So I think Pitt fans – it's sad to say a little bit, but they're spoiled because they love to complain about Narduzzi every time they lose a game, including to a pretty good Tennessee team. Yeah, they have a favorable, a favorable schedule coming up. Rhode Island, Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech at Louisville. I mean, they could, they could run a couple of games off here, Mike. They, they certainly have yeah. the ability to put on, uh, put some more NC wins State up. NC State, too. I like NC State. You know, that was a tough game. Texas Tech is, is not a bad football team. And NC State, you know, not only held serve at home, but they won that game, you know, fairly handily 27 14 that was a tough game for them especially after the ecu so they're starting to get into a rhythm here um and, and they're a team that i think as a three and oh we talked about the hype heading into the season like are they overrated blah 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 they looked overrated against east carolina now they're starting to put it together like the team we expected to make a run at the acc uh division yeah we'll find out in two weeks they have clemson uh, at home so, or, yep. sorry, at Clemson. So we'll find out pretty quickly uh, how good NC State is. Mike, anything got you pissed off this week? No, nah, I already went over my pissed off stuff. You know, the, 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 the overreaction, and listen, that's fun. Overreaction Monday is always fun, um, you know, to everything in college football, you know. And, and the questions, you know, is the, is the bloom off the rose for Shane Beamer? Uh, you know, mm. that, that come on. They just lost to the number 15 team in the country and the number one team in the country. Do you expect them to win those two football games? Um, you know, the whole Title IX garbage, uh, you know, where, where Beamer was yelling at people to get off the field. He had no idea who they were. He didn't know there was a Title IX ceremony in between the first and second quarter or whatever. Uh, and he has to come out and apologize for that. It's like, okay, like figure these things out. Not Beamer, but like figure this stuff out. So if you're going to have a celebration of something like that, which this guy supports, I mean, he's got two daughters who, who play sports. Uh, he's he's very supportive based on everybody I've talked to down in South Carolina in, in regards to, to women's athletics. Um, don't set the guy up like that. You know, make sure they get on the field properly and off the field properly. And he's not sitting there trying to get them off the field for a fourth and nine against the number one team in the nation. Like, so, so why are we trying to, I know people aren't trying to cancel him, but why are people trying to make such a big deal out of you know Shane Beamer now that he's one and two, oh he sucks. You know last year was a fluke. They give it some time. I mean, jeez, that that team compared to UGA's roster, that was like I don't know what's the best team in the NFL. The Rams were last year. Uh, it, it, it's honestly it's like the '93 Cowboys uh, against um, you know this year's version of the Carolina Panthers. There's no comparison in roster talent. You got to give the guys some time. Um, so to ask if the bloom is off the rose this early, that's the type of stuff that kind of bothers me. 
Well, I'm really glad you're not pissed off about anything this week. No. That's uh, that's helpful. Um, again, it would be helpful if you would do us a favor. Make sure you're subscribing to the show. Again, Believe Podcast Network. Hit subscribe on your player. This will pop in your feed whenever it comes out. And the YouTube uh, page for Mike Farrell. Again, subscribe to that. Uh, Mike will continue to put more videos up if you subscribe. Uh, bookmark the website, MikeFarrellSports.com. That's where you can find a lot of great content throughout the week between Mike and just a host of writers. Uh, good stuff to get you through uh, college football. And Mike will be back uh, potentially maybe, maybe later this week. We'll do another one. Who knows? But you've got a pick show on Saturday that people should check out. How can people find you on Saturday? Yeah, that online uh, YouTube feed. Another thing that pisses me off, too, I just someone just back. jumped in my comments about Arch Manning, and he's off to a great start this season. And I get it. He's 11 and 0, uh, 11 touchdowns, no interceptions. He's beaten two 5A football teams. We knew he was going to have a good senior season. We just knew he was going to. Like he's Arch Manning. Uh, he's, it doesn't suck. I had him as a four star. But now it's like, care to comment, care to comment. Care to... I said that he's overrated. That will not play out until three years into his college career. So you can at me all you want about this, uh, you know whooping up on these average football teams in the state of Louisiana. Uh, but let's see long-term, you know, where we're at. Somebody also got my timeline and said, you know, what do you say about Tua now? I say Tua still sucks. He had one good game. You know, it was a great comeback through six touchdowns. They got him pieces for his, his, his noodly arm so he could throw slants and score touchdowns. I still think he sucks. And I'm not going to change my mind on that. Stuart Mandel works for the athletic and I saw him tweet out something sort of apologizing for saying Oklahoma wasn't a top 40 football team. Slow your roll, Stu. Don't apologize too soon. Okay. Now I'm not saying Oklahoma's bad or anything like that, but who the hell have they beaten? Who to, to, to say you were wrong three games into the season when Oklahoma has now beaten, here we go. Ready? UTEP, Kent state and Nebraska. I don't know which is the worst team there and which is the best team there. They all suck. So let's just chill on, you know, sort of giving up on statements that we made. Arch Manning is overrated. That's the way it's going to be. We'll see if that plays out or not. You can see me on Beta. Uh, now I'm all. So Bet betting, online, you said? No, betting pros. Betting pros. Betting pros, okay. And, and fantasy pros. You can follow them both on Twitter. Uh, it's, it's, I'm with Thor Nystrom on Saturdays. We've actually been doing pretty well. Uh, I have for, for my, I'm usually the guy you, you look at who analyzes the games, uh, dives deep, deep into them and then always picks wrong. Um, but I haven't been that guy this season. I mean, we, obviously there's some games in here, you know, I nailed the Ohio state game. That was a huge line. I think 37, something like that. You know, Michigan was laying 49. These are blowout games. But in the games that matter, a lot of people took Nebraska getting 11 at home against Oklahoma. I told you, don't do it. Take Oklahoma. That worked out pretty well. Um, we also warned you against Michigan State at Washington because that line was fishy and it shouldn't have been there. And when you see something like that, you have to take pause and either don't bet the game or go against your hunch and take what Vegas gives you. So we've been actually doing pretty good in the gambling category. I took Penn State to cover too. So uh, that's Saturday. It's betting pros on YouTube. Uh, and there are also fantasy pros on, on, on uh, Twitter and betting pros on Twitter. 
Once again, I'm glad Mike is not pissed off about anything, but uh, thanks for tuning in. Again, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Make sure you follow along with everything Mike's doing, and uh, he will be your best friend, which I don't know if it's good or bad. You contemplate that, and you let me know. Until next time, we will talk to you. My name is Adam. That's Mike. See you around. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.